TTB Music Podcast. Yeah, we're on. Oh, right. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome back. It's sunny. It's Friday. It is. Two really good things. And yeah. we have beer. Oh, did you open yours? I did open mine. Sorry, right. yeah. oh, sorry about this, folks. Ah, nice. And we're being common, drinking out of cans. Yeah. Good cans, though. Yes, we've moved on to uh, 13 Guns as our beer, beer of uh, choice. Why not follow us on Twitter? Indeed. At uh, CTTB Beer. Yes. Is that right? Is, isn't that and right? And CTBB music. Yeah, oh yeah. You and, you know, all the other places. All the other things. Cool. Anyway, but we're here to talk about music, as per usual, and um, we are electronica heavy this particular month. We certainly are. Uh, however, uh, we've got Blur, the Magic Whip, uh, the return of Blur. We have uh, MGMG, which is Martin Gore's latest album. We have Rundgren, Nicolaisen and Lindstrom, Rundens. We have... Blank Mass, Dumb Flesh, Speedy Ortiz for Foil Deer. Almost managed to say that. And we'll finish off with Hot Chip, Why Make Sense? Or Senses. Mm. Sense or Senses? Right, uh, yeah. yeah. But anyway, we will start with the return of Blur and their first album since 2003's Think Tank. Uh, I have to confess, when I heard Blur releasing a new album, uh, my initial response was, do we really need a new Blur album? Really? So, do we? I'd agree. We do. Why not? Um, I, I should begin this particular podcast review. Um, I thought I came down really harsh on the prodigy last time round, and I, you know, so I'm not going to re- reactively withdraw my comment. But um, I think, well, well, I thought you were yeah. reasonably kind of it. Uh, yeah. oh, okay. Well, let's leave it there then, um, because I was about to level uh, the same criticism here, but actually here it's not criticism at all. It's a, it's a it's a positive. This is a blur album. It's brilliant. Yeah, it could have been recorded any time the last 20, 20 years, and yet here we are in twenty fifteen with a Blur album, and it, it, it's fine. I, I don't have a problem with that. Um, Think Tank was awful. I mean, to be honest, and it, yes. you know what? Yes, what's yes. really apparent, we can definitely both agree on that. Definitely agree on that. that. Uh, what's really apparent is is how much Graham Coxon still brings to the to the to the band. Yeah, absolutely, and, um, and and that really is apparent on this record, and it it takes it takes us right back to classic Blur, um, Lonesome Street is you know part life. It is part life. Yeah, yeah. only is. better, only better. Um, and then moving on to uh, the Great Escape with uh, New World Towers, mm. and yeah. uh, finishing up later with uh, Pyongyang and Hong Kong. Yeah, uh, you know, so so it, it's classic. This is classic Blur, and for once, I don't mind. I don't mind that it's the same. Same album. Um, it's an absolute delight to, to hear them back once again. Um, I will highlight one thing. Uh, yeah. I scream man, because uh, my wife said I had to. And, uh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I, I'm, you know, like I said, I was originally thinking, do we need another Blur album? And on the evidence of this, it's a definite, definite yes. I, I would argue this is uh, possibly one of their best albums of their career. In fact, mm. uh, because, as you say, it does hark back to that mid-90s classic Blur sound. It's when they're at their peak, I yeah. think. Oh. But whilst still sounding very much now as well. Mm. Um, 
because of the uh, production and because it seems to blend Damon's recent solo outings and Tristan Blur at the yeah. same time as, as well. There's the usual kind of influence in there. So you've got the typical kind of Bowie, hints of Bowie with Go Out, I thought was a spaceman, and Pyongyang, as you were mm. mentioning earlier on. All of which you could imagine Bowie doing. Yep. Um, <clears throat> you've also got... Uh, well, well, actually, one well, of the worst tracks on the album is Mirrorborn, but, but I do like the kind of shadowsy, kind of Hank Marvin-esque yeah. kind of guitar going on the thing. Uh, My Terracotta Heart, I think, is one of the standout tracks on the rec- record. Beautiful. Um, I've never thought a song that's basically claps and tambourine, which yeah. should make it really annoying, uh, <laughs> could be as good as it is. And lyrically, it seems to be very much about Coxon and Arvin's uh, often fractious relationship within Absolutely. the band. Yeah. Um, and then you've got I Broadcast, which is kind of song two for this yes. album. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. We've mentioned half the tracks. I should also mention that there are too many of us. Again, sort of haunting a typically haunting sort of blur track harking back to the the blur album yeah uh, my only comment uh, would be whilst I said that we do need another blur album Liam Noel I don't need no. another, another race album we don't, really, we, don't need seriously. To, we don't really need to return to that level of Britpop yeah. no absolutely we can uh, skip that I'm, I'm happy to I'm, I'm happy to just I, move you know on what? I'm excited for for people that are going to go and see them um, this this summer because you, this is actually you know when the, it's the it's the classic moment at any gig. Now we're going to play some new stuff. Well, why not? This is this is good stuff. Yeah, and yeah, I think it would sound good. Like. Yeah, absolutely. So having got classic nineties indie out of the way, Yay. let's go all electronica. Uh, we'll uh, start off with uh, these only only the second apparently solo album from Martin Gore. I thought he'd done more than that. No, he's done more. Counterfeit. Yeah, Counterfeit. I know, but back in the day. Yeah, yeah. I know, but Counterfeit Counterfeit Two. I suppose Counterfeit. Oh, again, semantics. If you like, Counterfeit was a mini um, album EP. Counterfeit Two from two thousand three. You should know. I should know. Was um, was uh, was yeah. Counterfeit Two was was a proper album. And then of course we had VCMG. Yeah, which was a not really, not really, but at least was going along this same kind of, uh, but in a different way because that was more of a kind of dance record, whereas this is more a atmospheric kind of uh, sound. mm, I was going to say sound track, that's that's wrong. Kind of a score Mm. type music. Yeah, Uh, a collection of sixteen, sixteen, fifteen, kind of three or four minute kind of pieces. Yeah. And it's great. You start off. It starts off with pinking, which I really love. Um, it sounds like the long lost theme tune to a BBC spy or hospital drama series. And <laughs> <Don't laughs> it has that kind of thing. It has that kind of thing. Ding 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 ding. Think, think about it. And then, and then, yeah. then, 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 then from there you move into Swanning, yeah. uh, which I also really like. <laughs> and that's kind of like the main character of. If it's a spy drama, it's now the main character of that spy dra- drama driving through the night. Yeah. Um. And you could do that with all, lots of the tracks on the album. Uh, you know, kind of elk is like fem- the female lead floating on her back in an otherwise empty swimming pool kind of thing. <laughs> and it's, it's, I could go on. Really? It's, you know, it's, it's short, mainly atmospheric pieces of music that, yeah. that really could be used as part of kind of TV and film yeah. um, scores. Uh, especially in a way, it's quite surprised that he's never really done one. Yeah, I think I think Martin Gore's got got a dilemma that that obviously he has a band he needs to write for, and um, 
and and certainly listening to some of these instrumentals you do get a sort of you do get a touch of mode but that's not the main thing that came out for me for this no is that that there, there's definitely there's yeah. more there's more modish music in mm. this podcast than, 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 than's on this record absolutely um I do keep thinking to myself, though, Trent Reznor's got a lot to answer for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all, these, all these middle-aged men twiddling away on their, their, their laptops and, and keyboards. Yeah, um, I was doing it last week as well, yeah, as, as a result of listening to this. Exactly. Um, so, so, you know, inspirational in that respect. Um, yeah, I, 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 I was, I, it took me a couple of listens, actually, to get into this album. Yeah. Um, and I still don't think I enjoy it as much as VCMG, which surprises me, because... Um, I, I always preferred the, the sort of gore sound to the the, the, um, the Vince Clark sound, um, yeah. which was definitely more synth and dance driven. Uh, however, uh, it, it, there are some some beautiful moments on here. Uh, Europa hymn. That's if one track is Depeche Mode territory from that that sort of late eighties phase, yeah. then, then that's that's close to it. Um, I actually thought this album, I'm going to say this a few times on this podcast, so forgive me. I actually thought this album improved towards the end. Um, That's it slightly fell away from me. Did it? Ah, <laughs> classic Scott Peake split. Um, no, I actually thought from, from Tristing um, through to, to Blade, um, I actually found, I don't know if there was more of a classical feel to it or, or something, but, but I actually found that much, that final third, a much clearer listen. Yeah. Um, I unfortunately, because we have a mutual friend, I didn't like the track Crowley. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so that's where I started to lose interest. From I want, which I want slightly. To. Yeah, it was I, I, really, I really like. I really like Islip just before it. Yeah. I, I, oh. it's, it was just a bit too hard or Crowley. Um, um, and Stealth, interestingly, follows a, a track called Spiral, and, and Stealth was when I got the real Nin sort of vibe. Yeah, um, really good track actually. Yeah, really good track. Uh, so yeah, I think we've I think we've covered covered the tracks, but uh, overall a good listen. Wouldn't say it's my favourite of this podcast, um, and I did still I'm still struggling a little bit, so I think it's going to need multiple listens to sort of. Yeah, I, I could have even though all the tracks are kind of three to four minutes, I could have perhaps done with it being shorter. A bit shorter, yeah. Um, but yeah. that but that aside, that aside, I yeah, it's hard to listen to in one sit- sitting. Yeah. Because of that, because of that very it, point. it is, and yeah. and uh, another another uh, perhaps another point worth pointing out for this, and particularly the album we're about to come onto as well. I think I think both of them benefit with actually sitting and listening to mm. them without other distractions, yeah. rather than trying to kind of read your book or yeah. do some housework or whatever. Because by doing that, you're not you're kind of missing yeah. the intricacies of what's going on. However, so moving swiftly on, <clears throat> and we move on to oh! <laughs> we move on to the promised <laughs> reappearance after just a month of Todd Rundgren again. Uh, this time, the uh, pingometer is broken. Yes, this time in collaboration with Hans Peter Lindstrom, who's a Norwegian DJ and producer, and Emil uh, Nikolaisen, who's the producer and singer with an alt rock band Serena Manish. Um and this kind of all came about partly out of Todd doing a remix of Lindstrom's track, A Quiet Place to Live, back in 2012, uh, and then subsequently went over to visit to do some talking uh, at a university over there, and Lindstrom kind of went, oh, well, we're in the studio now, if you want to come down and just have a jam. So they went, da- went down, and they had a two-day jam session where they were literally just 
banging out any old stuff. Um, and it's taken them uh, a couple of years to actually pull it together into something. Um, and whilst it is kind of split into 12 tracks, the concept of the, of the thing is that it's meant to be one mm. piece of music. Yeah. Um, so... And also, rundans, for those listening, rundans means rondel in Danish, or kind of circular object. Right. So it's, you know... Oh, I've learned something. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a play on rundgren, but it, it probably well, yeah, is. Well, yeah, well, it is. It is, is it? Uh, that's, part yeah. of, that's part of the pun as well, because obviously yeah. uh, one of the things is called runt, 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 which, is mean, which means round, around, around, around. Yeah. And Todd's nickname was runt, ah. without the D, the, the D in it. Oh, of course, I remember the Lennon comment. Yeah. As well, yeah. Um, so there is some kind of playfulness going uh, okay. on in that aspect as well. Yeah. But anyway, Pete, over to, over to you and this uh, interesting record. <laughs> um, indeed. I, I, this, this album was a bit of a pleasure. Actually. Yeah? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's, it, it, yeah, it's, what, it's basically one piece of music, various, variations upon uh, across the record. You can split it into, into, again, you can split it into thirds, I think. Um, so you have the sort of opening weirdness, um, which is bizarre from bizarre to actually all right, and then and then the um, the vocals start to kick in around track four, track five, um, and I'm trying to try and get through this review without saying five certain words that appear throughout the record. <laughs> um, and I'll let you do that in a moment, and then and then you have um, a, a very heavy drumming sort of section. Yeah, in the middle there somewhere, and then when the drums die away, and the rock element sort of dies away, the electronica takes over again, uh, and um, you get something quite gorgeous towards the end, and, and it all sort of comes together in the final track. Also, very much like um, it's like having sleeve notes, track eleven, where you actually hear the telephone conversation. Explaining the whole thing. Yeah. Like, like, how, how are we going to do that? How, how are we going to actually finish this record? Yeah. Are we going to have the time to ever do it? Yeah. And it's just like we need we need some we need a we need a song so that the, the guys watching can sort of you know they can buy into it without sort of scratching their behind or whatever he yeah quite almost says in there. Um, so I quite like that. I was like, oh, the sleeve note that explains what I've just been listening to. Marvelous. Um, no, I really enjoyed this record. I possibly enjoyed it more than the album we reviewed of his last month. Oh wow. Um, but actually, I really enjoyed that record as well. So, yeah. Uh, so, so uh, there it, you go. I think I think it's keep hammering away at Rundgren. I mean, you, uh, I think you're doing a good, good job, really. Because I think it is quite. Diff- <laughs> it's, it's a difficult record to review, actually, because mm. it, it's hard to kind of describe what it sounds like. Because, as you say, it kind of starts. It kind of starts with this very, very atmospheric, very kind of spacey thing, and it is like the. Uh, <clears throat> The transporter in Star Trek going on in the yeah. first, the fir- first, first, first bit, and then, and then he goes into the good joy for the room of infinity. And believe me, that's not the stupidest title on this thing, which kind of, which kind of starts off the main kind of musical um, motif that runs through the piece. Because mm. uh, later on, they say it can, it, it, Todd puts kind of words around it when we get to. Put your arms around me. Yay! <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and, and that bit of it is actually is where you could def- definitely see his, inf- his influence the, m- the most, and particularly how good he is with backing vocals. And that kind of um, whooshing kind of mm. sound. Yeah. Um, 
And then, as you say, it kind of, it kind of, it kind of goes up, up and down between little bits of kind of playful kind of lyrics or just kind of vocal sounds and some kind of spacey disco stuff. And then when you get towards the end with um, Revenge Gal, which is says you have the kind of conversation, which then goes from the conversation into a kind of almost kind of avant-garde jazz, mm. prog, rock, cosmic, disco, mm-hmm. Frank Zappa kind of weirdness. Yeah. Um, before it just kind of then just kind of finishes yeah and it's just like bye yeah kind of thing done um performance yeah and it, it is like i said it, as long as you can sit there and actually listen to it it's a re- it's a really interesting record and definitely rewards mm. multiple listenings or, or or if you like me you you get it on vinyl and then play the first three <laughs> tracks at the wrong speed and think sounds all right <laughs> Get 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 to track tricks track four and then the vocals come up and you're thinking really strong like that. Yeah. Which moves us nicely on <laughs> to uh, Blank Mass. Uh, and Blank Mass, otherwise known as uh, Benjamin John Power, who's half of the band Foot Buttons. Uh, and this is his second solo album, although I think he also did a mini album in between. Um, and Yes, this is this is where um, we get to uh, speak about things slowing down because the opening track on this loam is um and this does sound like it was recorded at kind of forty five rpm and then slowed down to kind of thirty three and a third yeah. um, but bizarrely, it kind of works in a strange kind of way yeah um and kind of sets the album up quite nicely because you then go into that from that into a dead format, which, are, which is a great slice of kind of electronica that you know the orb or orbital would be mm. proud of. It's Absolutely. very much that kind of thing. You've got more distorted vocals, but a different kind of distorted vocals. And I think that this particular track, dead format, is one for me of four tracks on the album that just I love. Absolutely, really, really kind of stand yeah. out. So it's got that. I, I really like uh, Atrophies, which again has another song with some great clap effect going on. But it has a driving kind of dance beat, uh, mm-hmm. and it's possibly my favourite track on the album at the, at the mo- mo- moment. Um, the latter half of the album is where it goes very DM, in my opinion. It does. Uh, yeah. Double Cross and Lung, particularly, yeah. uh, have a heavy uh, Depeche Mode thing going on. Uh, Double Cross, particularly, I like. Uh, really good. And then it kind of all comes to this kind of weird ending when you've got uh, Detrius, uh, which starts with a kind of three-minute kind of wall of noise, really. It's kind of synths played through, played through kind of virtual uh, guitar amps. Mm. And it's almost painful, but then out of that comes this kind of whooshing, kind of almost, I dare say, kind of big stadium finish. Yeah. Dance, dan- dance music finish. Going, yeah! Mm. Uh, Arms in the air. Yeah. yeah. And so for the four tracks that I think are very good... Uh, the other four tracks, I think, are good. Mm. So overall, I'm, it, I'm I'm quite impressed. It's another album that that, that is rewarded by repeated listening. Um, I, I have to say, I love that 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 the um, when track one starts to break down and become distorted, yeah, and then it drops into track two, like like the DJ in the stadium would. Uh, I think that's one of my favourite moments of the podcast this year. When that just kicks in, you know, and you get this it is a really great huge sequence. slice of dark, deep euphoria, you know. Um, 
it's a brilliant, brilliant track, that one. Um, and yeah, at, at risk of repeating some of what you've said, certainly the, um, again, final third of the album, for me, um, works really well as well. And uh, maybe that's the DM. Definitely sort of late 80s music for the masses. Yeah. No pun intended. Um, period. But uh, no, it's, it, it's, it, but it does it so well. And then you end with this um, <coughs> sort of high of, um, you know, everyone, arms in the air, lasers on full. You know? Yeah, exactly, it's, yeah. It's just, you can just picture, you can picture the gig. And again, this album, like the previous album, is, is, is a performance. Um, you know, everything just sort of follows logically. And um, you, you have to sort of sit down and listen to the whole thing. Yeah. In one sitting, ideally. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Indeed, I agree. Yeah. And, and the interesting thing, um, considering that the three albums are all definitely electronica, is is how different each of the three albums Absolutely is. Very and they're all they're all very all very different examples of what you can do within the form, mm. as it were. I mean, I'll be honest. This hasn't been the easiest podcast I think that we've had for a while in terms of reviewing. No, because it's been quite because there's less singing going yeah, on. Yeah, and. Uh, it's been on first listen. Some of these records, certainly the last three records we've touched on, you sort of you led you left a bit head scratchy. The Todd Rungan one less so. Yeah. Um, but uh, ironically, uh, but uh, no, this is this is an album that I've I've now listened to multiple times. Did I? And it's it's yeah, definitely risen up my appreciation. So we now move on to a move away from electronica, briefly. Briefly away. Uh, and go to the second album from Speedy Ortiz. Um, regular listeners remember back in 2013, it was only the David Bowie, John Grant and Casey Musgraves albums that uh, beat the al- their album Major Arcana in my affections for best album of the year. Oh, yeah. Um, so, I quite, so I was quite looking forward to this. Um, but I shall let you pass judgment first, Peter. Uh I've struggled with this one, to be honest. Um, that it has that sort of early '90s uh, rock vibe that, that we, I think we discussed the last time they had an album in front of us, which I know you really enjoyed. Um, again, repeated listenings does help. Yes. And again, the final sort of third, certainly the second half of the album, I, I found I, I could get into. Um, it, it was a bit more difficult earlier on. I mean, some great tracks on here. Uh, My Dead Girl, for example. Yeah, that's one of the more probably one of the most poppy things on it, yeah. isn't it? The, well, more, more, possibly more conventional things on more it. More conventional and uh, puffer. Yeah, yeah. I also enjoyed. Um, which, which I don't think didn't, um, sounds like almost a rechanneling of Khaleesi's milkshake. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. in a kind of bizarre, yeah. yeah, twisted kind of way. Yeah. Uh, musically, there is rather than lyrically, but yes, musically. But uh, no, it, it, to be honest with you, though, um, I, I found this one more of a story. Maybe it's because it's up against all these other sort of rather good electronica, and uh, to suddenly be yanked back into the rock arena was um, was, was different. Um, but no, no, I didn't quite, I didn't quite sit with me this one. <coughs> I, I do kind of mean because my my initial um, view of this album on first listen. I've, was that probably apart from raising the skate and my dead girl, that it was uh, a huge disappointment to me. 
Oh. And the second listen didn't really alter, alter that view at all either. Mm. But then along came our favourite friend, yeah. listen number three. Listen number three. And, uh, and so there is a reason, kids, why we do, at least if we've got time, try and give things three listens. Um, and suddenly the album kind of opened up to me and yeah. the approach, the unapproachable spiky nature of it softened mm. and suddenly a smile returned to my face. And I was kind of like, oh, yes. I agree. Now I know where I should be. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the thing is, as you, as you say, it's because uh, lead singer and songwriter Sadie Dupree is very much fond of minor chords and minor note progressions. Mm. So because of that, you need to really, um, particularly if you're a fan of music from way back when, your your touchstones need to be kind of pixies, throwing mooses, mm. pavement, and preferably their non-hit output, yeah. their album output, because um, it's very much cut off that kind of same kind of block. Um, so for me, whilst those two tracks I mentioned stayed, stayed the same, suddenly tracks like Graduates suddenly became a great track. Yeah. And, that, and that's, that's a song that, that really plays you, because it, ha- it starts a chorus and you think, oh, it's going to be go, go a conventional pop structure mm. kind of way, and then it kind of pulls the musical rug away from you and just kind of goes um, minor, <laughs> essentially. Absolutely. I was getting a real whole vibe off Mr. Difficult as well. Yes, yeah, yeah. no, very, very much so. Also, there's this great line in Graduates, uh, so you'll cauterise the bleeding to bastard, bastardise the meaning, which I really liked. <laughs> um, but as you say, Puffer's re- re- really good. Uh, uh, I love Dark World towards the end. Yeah. And my favourite track on the album, which is the track that actually mentions the title of the record, is uh, Dot X, which is a nice kind of slow, brooding kind of mm. thing that I really liked. Um, so this album's Possibly the album that's grown on me most of yeah. the podcast, mm. um, so I, which I'm pleased about because, you know, I said initially, I was just thinking, eh, yeah, no. I concur that the third listen was when I, my review went from being quite wholly negative to actually being, well, you know what, the, the, this is this is a grower of an album, and, uh, and perhaps perhaps I could find a way with it. So com- entirely concur with that appraisal, indeed. <laughs> But we finish uh, with unbelievably the sixth album already. I know. By Hot Ship. I couldn't believe that when I was. I think, well, there was a time they were knocking these out every other year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, why make uh, sense or senses? I can't remember which, which it's called. I've written, <laughs> I've, written, I've written down both on two different pieces of paper. So, that shows how good I am. Um, and clearly, uh, doing research. people who uh, are regular listeners of the podcast will know this is the third of their albums we've reviewed. It really is, isn't it? Uh, both of which uh, previous albums we gave positive reviews to. Why well, uh, yeah. makes sense. And both of which uh, you liked more than I, more than I, or I, 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 I did, although we both liked them. Thing. Um, I have to say my response to this album is fairly similar to my response to the last two. <laughs> in the fact that I think it's a mixture of... You're very, consistent. Yeah, I think it's a mixture of very good yeah. and okay. Yeah. Um, and when it's very good, it is very good. So, so her, the opening track, uh, current single, I believe, her actually lights. You know, is that classic? We're a band. We go on tour. We do this kind of thing, but with with added sense of humour lyrics of you know replaces mm. with the things that do the jobs better. Yeah. Which also a nice kind of dig. It nice. can be electronic music and stuff yeah. as well. That which I really quite liked. And I like the idea behind this album. They were saying they were trying to get back to that kind of thing of trying to make a record that sounded like they would play. They would sound. And they yeah. play it live rather than trying to do lots of overdubs and put lots of twiddles and bits on it. And they're trying to haul back on some of the bells and whistles and just try and do as straight a record as they can. And I think that 
lets the songs breathe a bit better, certainly. Um, white wine and fried chicken, which in the middle is, uh, as I said to you, off mic earlier on, it's basically a, a 70s, mid-70s Todd Rundgren ballad. <laughs> um, with a strange chorus. Um, Dark Night is possibly my favourite track on the album. I love the kind of distorted reverb guitar that kind of mm. launches the track and then kind of permeates just under... under in the background of it throughout yeah. the whole the rest, rest of it which is really really good um, Need You Now is alright and I really like the way the album ends as well I think the title track is the one where ironically they probably sound most like a conventional rock band yeah um, but that's not necessarily a bad bad thing yeah. I, think, I think the song is a really really strong strong song rest of it's a bit kind of meh but they are a band who I find musically in- interesting because they're striving to make dance music that's slightly different slightly more engaging yeah. uh, so taking um references from uh, across the decades mm. but also trying to make something that's very much mm. now so so in that sense i'm more happier listening to hot chip than a lot of other people who are trying to do similar but yeah. without yeah. the talent yeah. frankly okay Although, I just wanted to say one last thing. There yeah. are a few many... Early on in the album, there are a few too many Timberlake moments from my liking. <laughs> right. um, which is amusing to anyone who uh, is following us on Twitter and face- Facebook and read the mm. Guardian article from 2008, the mm. conversation between Lexus and mm. Mr. Rungren. Indeed. Um, again, uh, it was the, the final... The, well, the second half, in this case, uh, of, the, of this record, which um, appealed more to me. Yeah. From Dark Night onwards, um, uh, easy to get again, classic sort of hot chip song, um, very accessible. Why Makes Sense, I think, is the strongest track on the album. <coughs> yeah. The closing track. Um, uh, f- but for me, I, I, I had a very, very, very high regard for um, One Life Stand, which was their, oh gosh, where are we now? Fourth album? Yes, the fourth yeah, album, yes. Which, which for me was actually one of my favourite albums of that, that year, 2010, which I think was the first year we did this. Um, and the, 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 the in, intermediate album I found was a little bit too polished. Yeah, too many bells and whistles. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so this feels like it's been stripped back a bit, which is good. So a bit more back towards that, that sort of one life stand peak for me. But for me, that was a peak. I've not found it as easy to listen to their music. Since. since yeah yeah and uh, and this album certainly has its moments um some rather good ones as well particularly as i said in the second half um but i found i found that again i had slightly struggled in terms of accessing this album um that said i it's quite short so i knocked off a couple of listens quite quickly this is true and, I, I, and on this one i agree with you. I, I definitely think the second half of the album is mm. is the is this is the stronger half mm. um Outside of the opening track, I think the second half. Is yeah, definitely absolutely. And the... kudos for for doing exactly what they're doing in terms of sort of doing something different. Yeah. With dance music, um, and there are the nods to the seventies, um, eighties, even nineties. Um, gets a gets a there's a track in there as well. Uh, Need you now, a sort of classic early nineties house. Yeah, I, I didn't mind Need you now. Actually, it was yeah. alright. Uh, so you know that was that was nice to hear. Uh, yeah. So, could have liked this more. Probably on repeated listen, will like this more. Yeah, okie dokie. So, <laughs> thanks. I <laughs> know. Oh, <clears throat> I'm going to dangle something in, in front of our, our uh, listeners now. Oh, yeah. Who were uh, Mrs. 
Yeah. So, coming up in podcast six, I can tell you five of the albums we're going to review. Ah. Faith No More, Solid Victus, Florence and the Machine, How Big, How Blue, How Beautiful. Gosh. Katie Musgrave's Pageant Material. Oh, yeah. Giorgio Moroder, Deja Vu. <laughs> and is. Summer Camp, Bad Love. Ah. Plus one of them to be decided. Oh, right. Wow. So, get listening, people. But before uh-huh. we do that, album of the podcast. Woo. Well... As I said, this was a this was a, an interesting month, and um, at one point I was really scratching my head as to, to where it come out on this. Um, I think classic album of the podcast is probably Blur, yeah, and uh, probably the most accessible record um, for people, for, for listeners, and for ourselves. Um, but I, 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 wanted, I wanted to sort of pick something different as well. And for me, it really is a toss-up between the Rundons yeah. and Blank Mass. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm t- torn similarly. I, I do, I do really, really like the Blur album. Uh, I th- I, like I said, I think it's would uh, go in my top three Blur albums mm, list absolutely. quite easily. Uh, so I think, from, as, as, as you say, from a kind of populist point of view, yeah. it is definitely one uh, worth 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 owning and. Yeah, I would agree that that you know people should buy the Todd Lindstrom album and Blank Mass, frankly. Absolutely. On that note, and the door going. You've got to go and answer the door. I have. <laughs> See you next time. See you later.